There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, presented by Live Casino Hotel Philadelphia. And we are at the Sixers practice facility in Camden, New Jersey. And Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey. Appreciate you joining us. I mean, nothing's happened this offseason, right? <laughs> nothing. You've done nothing. It's pretty busy. Uh, pretty a lot busy. of work for the whole, the whole group. Yeah. So, so to summarize everything about your offseason, are you where you wanted to be, expected to be, and are you a better team from last season? Well, we're always still striving. I mean, even even now, I think, look, our goal is to win the championship. And, you know, that takes, you know, constant vigilance across the whole organization, the front office, the coaches, the players. So uh, we're never feeling like we're there. We're just always trying to continue to push, you know, our chance higher and higher. But we do feel like we're going into the season with a very good chance to win the championship. And not, not a lot of teams can say that. How closely are you aligned with Joel Embiid? And, and there's always been reports like, hey, Joel is pushing the Sixers. Do what you can to do this. But how closely are you aligned with him? And how badly does he want to win? I think, yeah, Joel wants to win. You know, I've had a lot of great players. So I'd say like right there with all the, with all the great players I've, I've worked with. Uh, what I would say, he is a little bit unique in that I love, he puts a lot of faith into Coach Rivers and and myself and the front office and Elton Brand to really just do our jobs. I think he's just hanging back so he can criticize us later. <laughs> um, but look, he, he'll give like general things like he did after the season you saw, like, hey, I think we need these elements. But he's not one to like get in there and be like, I want this player or that player. He He really doesn't. He... He trusts, you know, just like we trust him on the floor at key moments and all season. Uh, he trusts that we're doing the work to find the right players to add. And, you know, of course, you know, he's always a praise. I think it's always best to keep your top players, Tobias, James, him, uh, you know, engaged and knowing like what we're trying to acquire and who's maybe coming. And it's come down to these two players. Uh, but I would say Joel less than most of the star players I've worked with will, you know, hang back and be like, hey, I, go, I know you guys did the work. Go with whoever you think is best. You know James Harden well from your time in Houston. Uh, you traded for him. And obviously when he re-signs here, you're all in with James and Joel. Take us through the process of what James came to you with this offseason. And it, it looks like he did take less money to try to help this team become a championship contender. James, uh, you know, He's a little later in his career than, than Joel, so I'd say, you know, as you get farther along, um, you realize each year is precious, each season is even more precious. And so, you know, he really, um, he's done more than I think any maybe star player's ever done to, to take that much less money. I mean, we just got Montrez Harrell. We couldn't have done that, that without both 
him taking less money and, you know, constantly talking to Trez and saying like, hey, let's rekindle the magic we had in the past. And, you know, look, he's between the money he gave up, um, his commitment to the franchise from day one to do what Coach Rivers wants. Um, I know there's all these like, I'm, you know, I'm a, uh, someone who looked at data quite a bit, like all the players on the team, shooting percentages went up off passes uh, from him. You know, our team overall was elevated after he came. Joel and James were the number one pick and roll combo really for years. It wasn't just last season. Um, just shows the overall impact and how he's lifting the whole team um, to help us win a title. So when you traded for him, everybody sees the name James Harden. Was he himself when he came here? He, he talked about the hamstring issue, and he said he never was able to get physically right. Was he himself when he was here for this half season? I'll say with James, again, more than any player I've worked with, he will he never says something's wrong. It actually surprised me when he said what he said after the season. For him to say that means that, you know, he was – there were more issues than he – Look, he, he's a, you know, spit on it, get on the floor, win it, whatever, whatever cost you can do, go out there and win. Um, you know, he's been one of the most durable guys in NBA history prior to the hamstring issue. Um, I know he's worked hard to get it to a great place. It's in a great place right now. Um, but during our run last year, he's never, he's never going to say, like, I'm not 100% because he doesn't ever want to give um, any excuses you know, especially during the middle of a playoff run. And he's also never going to want to, like, you know, indicate to his teammates or the other team that there's an issue. So, uh, frankly, throughout my career, we've been we've tried to, like, get James to be more open about, you know, hey, this is hurting, whatever, just to protect him. But, you know, frankly, like, for example, in my years with him, he would he would turn ankles. It would send guys out for weeks and l- just play right away and then play the next night of a back-to-back. It was impressive, maybe a little more brave than we needed at times, but you respect that that's his mindset. You said as guys get on in their careers, they start to realize things more and more. So he's 33. Uh, We've seen the workout videos this offseason. Do you think he's realizing that at the age he is now, that not rededicating himself, but he needs to do more to be in better physical shape? I wouldn't say more. I would just say different. I think the ways you prepare in your early 30s are different than you would in your 20s. Um, And I think our performance staff uh, has done a great job, um, you know, working with him to develop a custom plan for this offseason for both strengthening the muscles around the hamstring to make sure that's in a good place, but also, you know, work on all those other areas that, you maybe didn't have to work on in your 20s, but you do in your 30s. Do you think in any way the way you guys lost in the playoffs and the way he lost in the playoffs coming to a new team that he was a little bit humbled? Because, I, I mean, I sense a hunger mm-hmm. from him this offseason. I think we were all, like, from, you know, Josh Harris down to, you know, probably the, you know, uh, the massage people, like, just incredibly disappointed how the season ended. Uh, when we tied the series 2-2 after with Miami after we lost Joel those first two games and fought our way back to 2-2, um, the last two games were just 
felt strange to me. I'll just speak for myself. Like it looked like it felt like, a, you know, a different team. And, and I think, look, we have to all live with that, learn from it and do better. Uh, and I think a lot of this offseason has been about how can we be better, both the team composition to the players and how they prepare to coaching. Like everyone's taking a step back and examining and saying, like, look, how can we how can we do that push all the way uh, and win the championship? Because the last two seasons, the way they ended, um, you know, were not neither year felt like what we're capable of. And it was disappointing. You've always been trying to get over the hump out west. You had the Warriors. James Harden, same situation. Joel wants to get over the hump. You have so many guys on this team, it seems like there's unfinished business. Do you get a sense that that is a collective feeling? Yeah, and I think Doc's done a lot of prep over the offseason to, you know, give the players the right messaging. Uh, having the offsite uh, training camp, I think, is going to be important. Doc's had a lot of success with that over his career. Um, there's been a lot of people in the gym in Philly this, this offseason more than normal. Uh, I think there's a real, um, you know, and then the new players who come in who've won the title, like P.J. Tucker, uh, bring a lot of toughness, bring a lot of, you know, no-nonsense approach and energy to every game and every day, even in practice. Uh, I think, you know, Doc's really trying to lay that foundation so that we have that all the way through a championship. So the James Harden we saw in the playoffs, do you think we'll see a better James Harden this year? Well, I'd say we saw a very good James Harden in the playoffs at times. Right. And, and, like, and it's, and you know, we're always thinking of the James Harden sure, that we're sure, all thinking sure. of in the past. Sure. And, you know, James obviously has some of the best performances of any player of all time in the playoffs. He's also had some tough games. I think he would be, if he was sitting next to you, he would say that too. Um even last season, I know he had, I'd probably say there are three stellar games across the Toronto and the Miami series that you could say were, you know, we win the game because of him. Uh, there were a lot of games where he was very good and we won the game. There were a lot of games where, you know, uh, he and others were a big contributor to why we didn't win the game. So I think it's really just that consistency and getting to where, you know, 70% of the play in the games of the playoffs are ones that help us win to 90%. You know, it's it's getting to a level where, you know, um, the teams that win the title, they bring it pretty much every night. And I thought in the playoffs, you know, we, we just had a couple nights where we didn't bring it. So how did it work in the offseason? Obviously, you want to maximize Joel and James. Did James come to you and say, hey, I really like some of my guys that I was most comfortable with in the past? Or was it collective, you guys saying, hey, we need toughness, we need this guy, P.J. Tucker, because, you know, a couple of his former teammates are here now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, obviously we're pretty aware, um, you know, as I was talking to you with uh, Dave Schaller before, uh, I'm pretty open about I I read everything. I'm pretty open about the things I haven't read. And, look, you know, we've had a lot of people who've worked both with Doc, you know, and myself in the past. You know, Trez, everyone's, you know, everyone likes to make fun of the fact we have a lot of former Rockets, but... Trez had his best years under Doc, uh, sixth man of the year, and uh, he really flourished uh, after that Chris Paul trade that brought him to to the Clippers and working with and working with Sam Cassell. To get to your question, though, um, it's never like a one to one thing. It's really like here's here's the array of opportunities. 
I try to go in without a, like a specific thing, like we have to have X. Uh, and in fact, the Montrez Harrell signing was one we didn't think would maybe happen. Um, so we were comfortable going in with what we had. Uh, we thought that if there was an issue, we could address it during the season. Uh, but long way of saying like, having a player like Montrez or with a skill set like that, we'd love to have, we just didn't think it would come now. I would guess it was going to come more like February or so. Um, so you look at all the opportunities. I have discussions with you know our front office, with Coach Rivers, with ownership, and yes, also with our top players because you know when the top players like are involved and see the range of options and then see why we're making the decisions we make, they feel more invested. They feel more a part of everything, and they feel like you know it's just. It's just a smart way to get everyone in the boat together. And so when they see all those options, yeah, there might be like, hey, I could use a pick and roll partner. You know, Montreal could do that. Or we looked at other other players who were better at maybe spacing the floor. Okay, yeah, if I don't have a pick and roll partner, I could use a spacer who might open up lanes for me. So it's more that than specific players. It just so happens that obviously, you know, we have James now. James, there are certain players that work well with James, so it's natural to maybe look for that fit. Similar, Joel just finished playing a series with P.J. Tucker. Um, P.J. was able to really impact that series in a lot of ways with his toughness, with his uh, high-level defense, with his energy on the floor, his offensive rebounding. Um, and Joel correctly said, hey, we could use a guy like that, but at no point did they that Joel Embiid say, like, we have to have P.J. Tucker, just sort of, you know, he happened to be available. If he hadn't have been a free agent, then, you know, we would have had to move in a different direction. It might have been a completely different direction from a P.J. Tucker. It might have been a different profile. Because, again, I think if you go in, like, we have to get X, that's where you overpay. That's where you create constraints for your ability to improve the team later. And PJ, I believe, had his career high in shooting threes last year, and I believe he was the best corner three shooter with James Harden in Houston and defensively. So I guess the one thing people wonder about is he's 37, mm -hmm. and that experience is great now. But at 40, you know, will he be the same player, or will that contract yeah. come back in the end? Yeah, I mean, frankly, Look, I mean, P.J. Tucker, if you look at players similar to him, should have been out of the league four years ago. Uh, almost no one who plays the type of game he plays is still playing at 37. So we're already in this space of, like, nobody knows. Uh, we're obviously trying to win now. I'm not as worried about 40. I think I would never bet against P.J. Tucker. Anyone who's bet against him has been wrong, and he keeps, he keeps winning. Uh, and so I don't know what he's going to be at 40. PJ pretty sure know what he, he he knows he's going to be great at forty. I know he believes it. Uh, I think everyone else doesn't know, but we feel good. Like even even if you know whatever his physical you know his physical game maybe his body betrays him a little bit going forward. I I still know he's going to bring energy. He's going to be an unbelievable guy to have on a roster. Um, all that said, uh, you know he's already in this place where nobody knows. No one knows the next steps. Normally you can look at, you know, you know, players who play like him at 32, how will they look at 34? You can look at those things. There's like 100 players, 200 players like that. 
There is literally a data set of one person who looks like P.J. Tucker, who's still helping teams win championships at age 36, 37. Almost all of them are these former, like, multi-time All-Stars to make it to that age. And frankly, P.J. Tucker is an All-Star at his role. Maybe in 50 years, guys like him are All-Stars because people recognize the contribution they make. Yeah, and you mentioned just how big he was in the playoffs. Um, so to maximize Joel and James, do you feel like you've gotten the guys with P.J., with Melton, with House, and those guys that can maximize their best ability? Yeah, so we, we feel very good about it. You know, obviously, you'd love to have the USA basketball team if you, if you could have it, right. right? But given this, there's 30 teams all competing, no one's trying to help each other. Uh, and given, you know, the array of options that were available, trade, free agency, we felt like we came out of it with a lot of the goals we were trying to accomplish, if not all. When you look at the Eastern Conference, that's uh, tough. Cavaliers yeah. just got better. You know, you got Boston, you've got Milwaukee, you've got Brooklyn, you've got the Heat. Do you think that with the roster you now have that you can compete with any of them for Yeah, for there's East? no doubt we we can be uh, the team that comes out of the East uh, and win the whole thing. Uh, I'm not sure who will play in the West. Um, that said, I don't look, Boston deserves to be called the favorite. I mean, they had an unbelievable run, played amazing. So until until we should we've shown that we can do more than we have we we shouldn't you know we can't say we're better than boston or milwaukee won the title two years ago look the, i think boston milwaukee are the class of the east uh, obviously both came out of the east the last two years and the rest of us are chasing them but i i don't think i don't see boston or milwaukee as better than us i just think they've earned the right to be called the favorites going in and and like you talked about with the playoffs the last couple of years you've seen the great moments and then maybe when the game is on the line in a game six, sometimes uh, some of the guys have not come up with the big play or what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the presence of P.J. Tucker and these guys that you've added and the toughness and the attitude can help bring them bring them to the next yeah, level? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and I think they just bring an approach uh, that, you know, that fits Doc's personality and what he's done a great job of increasing our focus and toughness over the last two years, adding someone like a PJ Tucker just, you know, puts us at the next level, almost puts like a coach on the floor with the approach and attitude that Doc, you know, wants his players to have at all times. So there is a tampering investigation with the Sixers. This happens with a bunch of teams. Um, are you fairly certain or know for a fact that you guys didn't tamper and that you're all good with the NBA and it'll come out positive end? I mean, I'm not sure I can acknowledge even what you said. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm not... this will be bleeped out. <laughs> you guys can do whatever you do. I don't know if it's bleeping or or uh, you could switch to the whatever the the, the the mouth reading. So you can't acknowledge it or talk it's, about it. I don't. I don't know what I'm allowed to do. So right. I'm just gonna just do what I just did. That's not fair. answer. Yeah. That's fair. Um, it, it's interesting because. In this town, I think Doc Rivers has gotten a lot of heat. It just seems like you hear, and I think I feel like the coaches do in this town. Like I've I've been surprised by that. Um, you know, Doc's a great coach, won a championship, and so I've been surprised by it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the Sixers with the process, the fans mm -hmm. went through a lot in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. where they saw a team that was trying to lose or, or get better draft picks, mm -hmm. and then 
they're waiting for that moment when the team takes that next step. So even before you, tough getting out of the second round. Most cities in the NBA or sports, they would love to be in the second round of the playoffs. But do you sense like it's time and this team needs to get over the hump? First time in 21 years to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think we're all here just for that. I mean, from Josh Harris to Blitzer to myself to Doc to James to Joel to, to Tobias to Elton Brand. Um, you know, that's really the only thing. The second round isn't interesting, isn't interesting to us. Um, to your point, though, like not many teams do it. I think only three teams have even advanced in the playoffs in the last two years. We're one of them, but it's not. Yeah, it's not the. Uh, it's not why we're here. You've seen Joel grow. And people have talked about his maturity and how each year Doc Rivers said he came into camp in his best shape last year. Do you see it, it's almost like an evolution of every single year? Like, oh, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that. Well, I, I would say I've heard from the media and stuff about the Joel from prior to my being here. Since I've been here, he's just focused on winning, very focused overall as a player. I do think he took a really big step forward on you know, uh, being a leader with his teammates. That was a big transition that I did see. Obviously off the court, he worked so hard in the off season to add to his game. I think, you know, last year he added so much with, uh, you know, catching the ball at the nail and all the, all the offensive moves and passing out of there. Uh, he added a lot of ball handling and uh, in transition, which sometimes I'm a little mixed on because I, I get nervous he, he could uh, do a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to see him diving into the stands after a ball, right? Like, I mean, I love it yeah. from the fact of like that's the kind of player I love to have. But Philly loves it we too. We probably don't need it on a Monday <laughs> against a bad opponent, but yeah. he'll do it. So it, you'll look. I think Joel's such a competitor; he can't turn it off. So I think we just have to enjoy Joel uh, for hopefully the. You know, five to ten more years he's here. Uh, I don't think we can really get him to turn off that competitive piece. So, you know, we're gonna have to lean on our performance staff to keep him out, uh, keep him out on the floor. So it's really interesting his comments about the MVP. He was obviously really crushed that. Yeah, he, he should have been. Yeah, I mean, I've, I seem to uh, have had that a few times now with <laughs> with players I've been with. It seemed like, you know, the. The easy choice didn't didn't win it, but um, look, I do know. I think it's actually turned into a good thing. He's, I think it's natural when you're a younger player in the league to chase these validations by outside people, and I think he's now just like, forget it. I'm just gonna go win the title and not worry about all that stuff. So I think I think it could turn into a healthy thing, but we were all disappointed for him. Doc Rivers said something amazing this offseason. He said Tyrese Maxey, I believe he said he's the hardest working player or young player he's ever had. Tell us Tyrese Maxey. I mean, I, every time you mention his name to people with the Sixers, it's like, wow, he's everything. Well, he's key to our season. I mean, I think if you were to say the, you know, you know, obviously the new players on the team, you know, I think are two-way players and are going to set the – stage but you know winning the title really comes down to your best players and probably the key things are we need joel to yet again give us an mvp level performance we need james to be just him himself like uh does not even we don't even need five years ago james we need like the guy that we saw last year for most of the games 
Uh, but the biggest inflection point is probably we need Maxi to take another step forward. Like, and he can do it. He can do it. He's putting the work in. Look, most it's really hard. Like he took such his rookie year was way ahead of schedule. His second year was way way ahead of schedule. And to ask him to do another leap forward is asking a lot. But we do need it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does it, given how much time he puts in. I mean, do you literally have to lock him out of the building sometimes? Because <laughs> they've joked about that. Doc has during the season, off season. I don't think no one's locking him out. Like he can, yeah. he can come in at five, and uh, obviously our staff will be here with him um, during the season. Yeah, Doc has literally had to, you know, monitor and say, you know, this has to be an off day because you just need that after back to backs, four and fives, uh, and sometimes. You know, players like him are so hungry to improve, um, you know, need to take that step back. So you said you're all in. You're in win now mode this year, next year, Joel and James. Um, Does any of that have to do with Joel being a big man um, and and being able to stay healthy and and through his prime? Do do you have a window? Yeah, I sort of want to try and shift the how people think about that, because I think it's a common thing that people talk about um but you know joel's put so much time both with the sixers performance staff and people he has around him to work on his body and he's very attuned to his body uh that you know we feel like joel's best years are ahead of him and we don't know how long his window is but i don't think that's any different from any great player like i don't i don't really separate him he obviously had the challenges early in his career uh, but he's he's put the time and the and the uh, you know and the work in to keep his body in a good place. So from your time here in Philly, what's been the biggest surprise, and and then also the thing that where it just kind of cements what you thought about coming here to Philadelphia? I'd say the biggest surprise are the players who can't play here. <laughs> it's actually not helpful to me. Like I I really. Like the I need the more options I have the better, but I do think I'm starting to learn, and I do love it about Philadelphia because I do think it gets the best out of our team, and I've seen it with not only our team but the Eagles and the Phillies. Um, there, it, and I never understood this being in Houston when people would say, "Oh, you need to have a special mindset to play in Philly. You need to have a special mindset maybe to play in." New York, although I think that's less true. Honestly, I can only speak to Philadelphia because I've been here now. I do think I really do pay attention to the mindset of the players and can they can they handle playing in Philadelphia? Because I, I do think it's a different thing. So do you think that was a big part of Ben Simmons and what happened here? It just got to him and, and the pressure? I mean, for me, I look at that whole thing as like us trying to win the title and I do think James Harden's a better fit for our, you know, the us winning the title right now. So I think of it more about as a as a positive thing that yeah. where we're at now than any sort of negative thing. And these guys that you brought in, the toughness, I mean, they, they kind of fit Philadelphia. Well, yeah, Montrezl Harrell. I'm glad we're talking about this right after we signed him. Philadelphia's going to love it. I've, his motor, unbelievable. Like. To the point where you can't believe it sometimes. Like, uh, you know, you know anyone who's had children, and you know they sometimes when they're young, you're like, how are they still energy? Well, you're falling asleep on the. 
I mean, he, he has energy for days, like, and <laughs> plays with such a joy and hard. Um, you know, folks are going to really, really love him. Sounds like you're describing Maxie, too. He's yeah, just got Maxie, P.J. Tucker's like that. I have no idea how P.J.'s still playing with that energy at 37. Um, DeAnthony Melton's got that in him. So, we, you know, we just got very fortunate. A lot of the opportunities that came our way are going to be players that I think Philly will embrace. So to wrap this up, are you able to tell me the Jeremy Lin story? Where you're I, mean, I have a lot of Jeremy Lin stories. In the process of trying to get papers to him oh yes yes because this is fascinating yeah so this was this was uh the off season we um this was pre james harden and we didn't have really a centerpiece player so we were looking for players with a lot of upsides jeremy being one jeremy had just come off of lynn sanity lynn sanity in new york and we offered this contract that would deliver i'm going to get this right Jeremy was going to make about $40 million. It was going to cost us $40 million. But if the Knicks had matched him, it would cost like $250 million. So it was like this really strangely <laughs> structured thing that our cap guys came up with. And the Knicks were so angry about it that, and it's still true to this day, like, although I think they just changed it last year to deliver the contract because he was restricted. Like you have to actually, it's almost like serving papers. Yeah, like a divorce paper. Yeah, we have to, I had to give the papers to Glenn. Um, uh, I forget their GM's Glenn last Tom? name. Uh, or no. Yeah. No. Not. I can't remember either. It's not, that's Ernie Grunfeld. Ernie Grunfeld, okay. Glenn Grunwald, sorry. Glenn Grunwald. Yeah, yeah, well. so a great basketball guy, unbelievable guy. But he, yeah, but they were like, hiding like it was like we were like <laughs> chasing each other around i was trying to chase them around vegas to give them the papers yeah, and, and so. did you have like a crew of people you're just trying to find these we guys were just to trying to the find them yeah we were mostly like sort of complaining that this is a crazy process for the nba <laughs> and i do think they just fixed it actually i, I can't remember but but i uh, haven't been in that situation since but yes we were we were chasing him and i think it took us three days to give him the papers wow this would be a great Netflix docu-series to see the life of a general manager and president trying <laughs> well, to hunt these down are, people. It's mostly not most most of the time. It's like having to cut people and ruin their dreams, and it's a horrible. The it's show, horrible. yeah, that was a lot of tears, and that's <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you live a fascinating life, and uh, well, so do you. Yeah, not let's, not as good as you though. You're doing yeah, a lot more taking off than I do. So yeah, let's let's take off right Ooh, here. Oh, we got a plug in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Thanks, well, John. best wishes Appreciate to you, it. and uh, I know we're all looking forward to the season. And um, you know about Philly. One of these days, hopefully. How'd you, so Ryan told on me on the one. That, how'd you hear about the Jeremy Lin one? Uh, how'd I hear about it? That's a good question. Did you use the Google? Yeah, I use Google. I've, I've heard of that now. <laughs> Might have been on it's there. A yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a yeah, fascinating yeah, thing. It's great. It's a fascinating thing. Well, thank you so right, much thanks, for the time. John. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Daryl Moore, appreciate the time. Oh, I'm so flaky.